Let's. <laughs> or do you, <laughs> what, it, mm, what if though? Oh yeah, that'd be a brave new what world. If? No, but honestly, what if if Kanye? I mean, not, I mean that would it's not gonna happen. But what if you know Kanye West were to become president? Someone like that, someone like an, a celebrity like that. What do you think? I would be very would happy to receive my government issued Yeezys. <laughs> um, I I'd, I'd be flexing on everyone, honestly. But then uh, everyone I, would have them. True. True. Communism. Very good point. Ooh. No one can flex my, in a communist society. I would take my <laughs> universal health care plan. Um, <laughs> get my foot checked out, I guess. I don't know. Oh my god, I love this actually. This kind of alternate universe where Kanye West is president of the United States. But do you think it's possible that that could happen? Con- Someone like Kanye? He's not registered in every state, so I don't think, like, I don't know if, like, there's a mathematical, like, chance of, like, of him winning just based on, like, numbers and, like, the amount of mm-hmm. states that he's actually on the ballot for. Mm-hmm. Um, in every other state, I think he's just hoping that people write his name in. Um, well, you know, technically his name is on the ballot, but he's a vice president. I'm not sure to who, but when I, I voted in... Like I saw, I don't know whose name, and then underneath that it said... Are, are you admitting to voting for Kanye? Did you vote for Kanye? I'm not saying that I did. I'm not saying I did. If, if his name were, like, him running for president, possibly, but I doubt it if I'm, like, a really, like, sane person. Um, even though it'd be very cool to see that. But, um, honestly, more than I think more than Kanye, I would really like to see, like, the the, the best duo... Would be The Rock and Kevin Hart. <laughs> Dude, wouldn't that be like the best? Like, imagine, like. Imagine then, them, like, like, at the I, UN with all the other players. <laughs> Dude, that's the best team. Imagine, like, The Rock, like, just walking in the president, or even, like, Kevin Hart comes in. He's the VP. No one takes him seriously. But then you got The Rock coming in right after him. Like, what'd you say about the VP? <laughs> about, about my little heart? Listen, saying yes to The Rock as president is also saying yes to having the president participate in a match at WrestleMania against either John Cena or, um, I don't know, The Undertaker or some shit. And does, does the U.S. really need that? Moreover, well, 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 does well, WWE need that? And the answer is a resounding yes. Oh my god, dude! Imagine that. Imagine the Rock's the president, and he goes back, and he re- and like they do like a special, you know, and welcome back the president of the United States, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You know, can you smell what the Rock is cooking? <laughs> <laughs> and then out oh comes my. like the presidential limo. And you it's know, the Rock. Secret Service and everything. Yep. Oh man, that'd be. Oh man, that'd be the most Honestly, electrifying like some... moment in uh, U.S. history. That's some. That would be some weird dystopian future Blade Runner scenario where, yeah, anything could happen. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. We don't know what's. I don't know. I don't know these are we'll the jokes. See. Possibly before, like, the collapse of the U.S. as we know it. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm oh kidding. My God. I'm kidding. <laughs> Get all your money out right now. Seriously. <laughs> Sell the house. Sell your houses. Just, oh, man. It'd be mass. It'd be chaos. But honestly, I think it'll be fine. I think we'll just be all fine. It'll go on as... We usually go on. We'll, we'll move on in a year, and we'll get back to our lives, hopefully, and... Would you yeah. rock the Yeezys, Nathan? I actually, for a long time, I only wear a, I only wore a pair of Feezys, fake Yeezys. I got them for twenty dollars off Amazon. <laughs> no way! <laughs> they were honestly one of the best pairs of shoes I've ever had. Yeah, super very, comfortable, very right? Very lightweight, very stylish. I don't did, regret did it. Did you know? I definitely, <laughs> oh. I, I definitely knew that they were fake. I searched. Uh, I searched for fake Yeezys. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> my man. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't trying to give pain over dollars. Oh $150. god, I love it. Oh god, yes. Yep. I love it, man. 
I no mean, one would. No one told the not? difference. I'm sure no one knew the difference. No, no one knew until I told them. He's like, I didn't even know the difference. <laughs> they felt the same to me. They smelled the oh, same man. to me. Why not? Maybe you know. Maybe one day we'll all get our free Yeezys. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. But till then, let's get going. Should we? Uh, should we roll the intro music? Listen, cue that intro music. <laughs> Um, usually right here, Anthony goes, welcome one, welcome all to the 1st and the 15th. I am your host today, Mr. Hyman V, also known as the real Mr. Hyman. As always, uh, coming in from a remote, uh, undisclosed location, I think that's what he usually says as well, is my co-host today, Mr. Anthony Barrera. Listen, what is up, people? Um, co-hosting today... Don't really know how this is going to go, so I'm excited. I'm really ready to go. Let's see what happens. Yes, I have no idea what's about to happen as well. But we have a big guest alert today, as always. We we always have big guests. Our our guests are awesome. And today is going to be our good friend Nathan Brown. He's a filmmaker. He's an artist. He's a a theater man, uh, but also a jack-of-all-trades. Welcome, Nathan, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am very happy to be here, and I am reasonably sized. Not big. good. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, this will be a, a dip. Yeah, I feel like Anthony, he wants to say a lot more right now, but he really can't. He's like, he's the filler man. He is <laughs> the, uh, what is it? He's the butter to my bread today, okay? Uh, so, but we're going to be talking about a lot, of, a lot of different things. First of all, uh to fill in some for some background for nathan if you don't know him um he's uh like i said he's a theater guy i guess more of an actor um but i I guess to fill in for our listeners can you tell us more about um your start nathan like where you came from i guess um because i know i mean we know a little bit about your theater history but i guess can you fill in just a bit on how you started and I guess where you are now okay so uh i don't have exactly a long storied history in theater um unlike most people i would say i got a pretty late start into theater i wasn't a kid that was involved in like after school programs or you know special theater groups as a kid i didn't actually first start acting until I joined an acting class at 21 or 22. I, I joined an acting class at Hartnell just for fun. Wasn't really, didn't have any special goals or expectations. Everybody was like, eh. It was kind of like just like a credit thing. Yeah. Like, eh, I needed a, this thing. I needed an elective, seemed like fun mm-hmm. way to pass the time. So I, I signed you. up for an acting class and you know, I had a lot of fun, and people seemed to really enjoy the work that I was doing in the class. It seemed like I was, you know, kind of good at acting. But it, it, yeah, it's always nice to. I mean, because I think it's always nice to see newcomers come into the theater, especially when they're probably coming in at later ages. You being twenty-two, mm-hmm. because I know for Anthony and I. We got involved with theater in high school, mm-hmm. but I I knew we knew people who got involved in theater way before that. You know, they were doing like the children's theater. You know, like actually at, to correct you, I man, I was in theater in uh, fourth grade. You were, you son of school. a yeah. <laughs> How am I just finding this out? <laughs> I feel like I should know this. I feel like I did know this maybe, but maybe I haven't paid too much attention to it. But for me, I know I started pretty late in high school. And then you come, come in at 22, kind of out of nowhere, you, you, you just kind of, they pulled you into it. Yeah. You uh, got sucked in, didn't you? I just started hanging out with a bunch of people that were in theater as well. Like, as soon as I took that class, you know, there's a bunch of colorful characters in the theater world. And that was just who oh, yeah. I started hanging out with. And, but I didn't, I really wasn't expecting to ever do a play. Like, I was pretty reserved. I wouldn't. Like, uh, a play seems like a lot of 
pressure or stress. Like it wasn't really yeah. something I'd be interested in doing. But um, Hartnell, at the time, they were doing something called Hartnell College Presents, where all the students or whatever did a play together. Uh, and that year, they, like they doing... would put on the play together. Mm-hmm. And so like that... they would produce it and write it and act in it. Uh, yeah, I was. Okay. I wasn't. Uh, I I never really paid right, much attention. Now. I I didn't right. know what was going on. So they <laughs> were doing that year. They were doing something called Mid Summer Night Stream, and mm-hmm. I was like, sure, I'll take part in it. I'll audition for it. And mm-hmm. what they were doing is having everyone rewrite all of Shakespeare's lines for your own character, and that actually went kind of bad at first. It didn't <laughs> go very smoothly. <laughs> Not everyone knew about prose or what. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> having a bunch of like twenty-year-olds rewrite like one of the greatest history playwrights yeah. of all time <laughs> right. isn't necessarily like the smoothest idea. So it it right. took a it took a lot of work because it was only supposed to be a semester production, but it ended up taking so long we had to stretch it out for two semesters. And at the end of first Jeez. semester, we just did a read-through, and it didn't mm. really seem like people were like. Eh, they didn't really flow with it as much as we hoped. So by the end mm. of this, by the beginning of the second semester, we had like half of the cast replaced and we had to basically start all over. Oh, Dude. man. Wow. It, it was a lot of work, but then... I, I, mm, it it but, sounds like a lot of work, honestly. A lot of time. Mm-hmm. We, we were doing it like every day for a long time. Oof. Yeah, and you know, it, do, it doesn't even sound like it's even worth... I mean, Shakespeare, like, I don't know. I feel like... Don't you think Shakespeare is just a little, like... I mean, no, I mean, I get Shakespeare. There's, like, some really good, like, Hamlet, of course. But, like, I don't know. Are we are we still doing Shakespeare? Like, are we still doing Shakespeare, guys? <laughs> um, Like, no, t- like, I want to know. Like, is Shakespeare still relevant today? I think it's, I think it's still relevant yeah, because probably. so many other stories are based on, like, are, are mm-hmm. premises, those types story of... arcs, and, like, the, right. the amount of, like, just, like, literary devices that you can pull from mm, just from, yeah. like, that era and, like, yeah. that specific um, it's like the root. content. Yeah, it's, it's, it's endless, you. and so many other things are based on it that you can't really write yeah. it off because it's really right. the foundation. Cause, yeah, because now that I think of it, I, I, um black panther for example when i saw black panther i thought that was shakespearean that's true with the like you know replacing of kings and uh-huh royalty drama right and then of course like secrets of like within the family and whatnot and mm-hmm. all those kind of and stuff then, like any romance you can name off that has any star-crossed lovers like mm-hmm. titanic of course, romeo and juliet can of course, be replaced yeah. with romeo and juliet except right, right these two you know they're they're of legal it, age it, Right. There were, I guess, those Shakespeare stories were, like, the first, I guess, like, really popular publics. Pub, I'm sorry. Um, I guess, like, works that showed stories like this, I guess. You know? Like, universally known. So, I guess, like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I don't know. I feel But like, in all reality, hmm. fuck asking 20-year-olds to decipher <laughs> and rewrite them. Fuck asking 25-year-olds to do it. Yeah. <laughs> But but at the end, I would say that it went it went okay. Like it, the our end product wasn't that bad. Yeah, sorry uh, to shit on. <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> I got the dress and drag, so it was fun for me. Oh, there you go. All right, um, yeah. you know, actually, so okay, so sorry, you're going back to your your theater stuff. Okay, so you did this screenwriting thing. You just got into this little bit of acting. Um, so then what happens after that i mean i I know that you did become i guess you made a couple films after that but i guess how how does i'm curious about like the transition because we've talked to a lot of a lot of um theater people and we've talked to some filmmakers and they've transitioned from theater to film i have as well and so i'm curious about how like your transition came you know, because I know you're an actor. I know you're a writer. So, like, how how did film come into play? Well, the way that film, I started getting interested in film was, uh, you know, I would make, like, little small videos for, like, social media or mm-hmm. 
you know, like Instagram or something just for my pretty much my own enjoyment. And that was pretty much my whole involvement with film. But I hadn't been involved in acting for about, I don't know, five years or so. So I was starting to get that itch. I was like, oh, acting. It would be on my back of my mind. I want to act. I want to act. But I didn't know really know how to get back into it. Like, where do I go? And one day I'm just like scrolling through Twitter, minding my own business, and I stumble upon something called the Disability Film Challenge. And what that was is you basically have 72 hours to write, direct, and film a short five-minute film. Right. Uh-huh. And it's pretty much a contest, and there's winners, there's there's best film, best writer, best director. Mm, there's different categories for winners. And so I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see this. And I'm like, well, why not? This would be a way to like act again. Right, put something so, out there. So I just turned to my girlfriend and I'm like, hey, you want to make a movie in two weeks? And she looks at me like, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but, that's a lot to bring up on someone, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, let's I make just, a movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, no. yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah so, those two weeks. So then the, these whole two weeks are going by, and they're going to the week. The, what they do is they release the genre of film the week mm-hmm. of the contest. So we have no clue what genre of film they could do, like comedy, horror, you right, know, right, right. drama. We don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. So I, in my head, I'm brainstorming. Okay, this is what I'm gonna do if it's a comedy. It, this is what right. I'm gonna do if it's a Already drama. Already stories. Mm. I get you. Mm-hmm. And then the week of comes, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna do a sci-fi film." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, have. Honestly, I don't think. Yeah. I don't that have a, isn't a that easy. budget. I don't have any props. So right. how am I gonna make a sci-fi film in seventy-two hours? But uh, so w- what we ended up making then. And this was 2019, uh, was a film called After. And uh-huh. it was basically about a guy who had just suffered a spinal cord injury. And he had a girlfriend and things weren't happy with him and his girlfriend. And his life was like, eh, this kind of sucks now. So right. he uh, basically working in the lab all the time, trying to, to figure out his a cure for his spinal cord injury. Right. And that's basically I can see the premise of that film. Okay. Yeah, no, I can kind of see how that can be, like... Oh, it kind of reminds me... I don't know. A trailer came out uh, not too long ago, like a Spider-Man villain, uh, Morpheus. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of reminds me of, like, that kind of sci-fi. Um, I mean, I know it's just probably, like, a few minutes. I'm sure it was just your first film. It's not, you know, too... You know, it's not going to be uh, amazing. Yeah. But I love, like, yeah, that concept, I guess, of, like... Uh, I guess quote I guess a mad scientist kind of getting obsessed with like fixing oh you know what it kind of reminds me of um, the Incredible Hulk yeah (laughs) you know like he you know he's like has this thing that he's trying to cure so he can be like with the one he loves or whatever you know he's trying to get rid of the Hulk Mm -hmm. so he can you know be with the one he loves and so he doesn't have to run from the government all this kind of stuff Uh, that's actually pretty interesting but um, I will well, say this. How did that fr- I will say uh-huh. this. Handing a sci-fi genre to a film festival like competition is kind of a dick move. It is. You know, yeah, honestly, why you say that? Because it's one of like the hardest things to produce sci-fi. Like, you have to go outside any type of like realism or like any mm-hmm. like logistically any any kind of realism, and you have to kind of create this entire universe from scratch. Yeah, honestly, but but at the same time, you're not bound by you know you're not limited by other types of thing. I mean, because like the thing with sci-fi, I mean, I, I don't know if you, what your thoughts are on are are on this, uh, Nathan. Like, I don't know how you approach that film, but you know, I know like with sci-fi, it could be a lot of different things. It can be in the future or dystopian. It could be even the past or some new technology created and couldn't be much different from the world that we live in now it was but i don't i don't know there's definitely a lot of ideas that popped into my head but the biggest limitation of course would always be like 
how am I going to make this look good without a budget or props in 72 right. hours? So right. I, re I really had to, I was like, okay, there's a lot of ideas that I have, but I'm mm -hmm. going to have to go for something low key. Right. That's easily filmable with Cause I basically what I ended up doing, cause I, I was trying to work like from scratch. I, I basically mm -hmm. filmed the whole thing and edited it within one day. Mm -hmm. Like oh, not, not ninety percent of the film was filmed and edited within one day. Oof. Damn, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it, I was Damn. really stressed out. <laughs> yeah. So no, what happens when you're passionate, not... though, man? You <laughs> you'll work even harder than you think you would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seriously. But okay, so you make this film in twenty. That was night last year, twenty nineteen. You said yes. Right. Okay. So and then you make. I'm, I'm assuming you make another film the following year for the same contests. Um, yes. I know that we, we uh-huh. It's, it's, and we're rolling, I'm assuming. Yes, that is. And we're rolling. Okay. Okay. So, um, I just want to give a little bit of context about this film. I'm sure you'll fill in too as well. This is for your, you listener. Uh, and we're rolling, um, to film. I watched recently a couple times. Uh, Anthony has sent it my way because we're going to talk to Nathan here, of course. Um, but it was really interesting because it was it was like a, a documentary film that kind of went through the history of disability in film and like the portrayals, I suppose. Uh, I learned a lot, and I thought it was very interesting. Um, and I like the style you kind of bring to it. It feels like a 70s, like, 80s vibe of like uh, a video you would watch in like school i don't know what it what, what it is or hey, exactly where did you get the cardigan or like the sweater vest that you had on dude because that was like <sighs> the most fucking you know mr rogers-esque type vibe that's that exactly was. it you exactly know, I, i'd like mr. to say rogers. i found it in the thrift store back of a dusty thrift store but it's really just something i had in my closet and i wore regularly <laughs> um <laughs> that's in my wardrobe but yeah, I was definitely oh, going for a Mr. Rogers vibe with the whole thing. Yeah, because there was a lot of, there was like this tone, like a lot of, uh, well, you know, it's interesting actually about film. You can pick a lot of things out from it depending on what department I guess you're in. Mm -hmm. Like I see it as, as a director, but I can see how like um, a costume designer or a production designer can see like there's a lot of, I don't know if there's probably, I don't know if there's a lot of thought put into it. I'm sure there is. Maybe Honestly, subconsciously. It, it like brought me back to like being a kid in elementary school and watching like a uh -huh. PBS documentary in class. Yes, exactly. Like, that's what it brought me back to. That's like that. Like even mm -hmm. like the, the the editing and like the way like the graphics were presented reflected that. It was yeah. it was a wonderful job yeah. doing that, man. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you know what was interesting too is like all the little um, interactions. Uh, what what I guess um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for right now. The little scenes, I guess, of you playing like Marlon, Mar Marlon Brando mm -hmm. or the reenactments, excuse me. Um, but I noticed that like even the reenactments had like either like they were black and white mm -hmm. or they were a different um, color palette. And uh, there was like a lot of different tones and, and browns. And I, it, I tried it, my I, best to match like the film that like I was reenacting with yeah, in the editing room. Okay. I was like, OK, how can I make this film? Look like it was filmed in the 70s. Like, what do they mm -hmm. use? What's the special palettes that they used back mm -hmm. then? And I try to match those as best as I could. Yeah, so oh, I'm curious now, now that I really think about it. Um, okay, so you made this film. but Okay, so you you know this competition's coming up, I guess, right? And so you are, are you preparing more? Because to me, when you said that, like, you want to copy the, the same kind of look... So I'm assuming you're watching a lot of different films with pe with people with disabilities in them. I'm sure you're doing your homework and you're like, okay, I want to put this part in my film. I'm going to put this part in this scene. Because you bring up quite a few different films in, in your movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious about like... Yeah, I definitely... The prep work. did do my homework a bit because mm -hmm. uh, we get... So going back a little bit, uh, you know, the original contest was supposed to be in April. We're supposed to, we were supposed to do a narrative film, uh. but then COVID happened, so they canceled the whole contest, and mm. they don't. We don't redo it until July. 
and they're like, okay. okay, what you guys are gonna do now is you're gonna do a documentary from home. You're gonna have to stay in your homes and basically film a documentary. Right. So the guidelines that they used for it was it's gonna have to pertain to disability and we would like you to put your own personal story or something in it. And so when I, when I heard that, like I heard like, I know what a lot of the entrants were gonna do is basically specifically stay in their own story. Like this is my history with my disability. You know, this right. is how it happened to me. This is how I'm coping with it now. Right. And you know, that, that's like a fine story in everything but it's it's not something that's relatively new like i knew a lot of people were going to go that route so mm-hmm. i wanted to somehow like distance myself from mm-hmm. the narrative that everyone else is going in do something special with it like do my do it put, put my own special twist You're on the documentary on right so mm-hmm. i so the way i reflected on it i was like okay when i first was disabled how how did i process that disability like how did i learn about that disability and the way we learn about a lot of things is through film like the way like that's this we're visual people and that's the way yeah, media very, media has a big impact true. on our life De- like, definitely mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. so i i would only you know i i, I learned some like you can only learn so much about your disability through like doctors and like hospitals and all of that and everything mm-hmm. else you because it's not like a medical situation like you're living your daily life you know you have to figure that out your own ways and the way you can do right. that is through film like you can find mm-hmm. out how other people are living their lives live yeah. mm-hmm. and that sort of changes and reflects on how you can so I would just, I just thought like, okay, how has disability or specifically spinal cord injuries been portrayed through the history of film? And I sort of went all the way back to like, okay, what, where's the first time that spinal cord injury was really covered in film? And that just happened to be a film by Marlon Brando, luckily, one of the, you know, one of the best, one, yeah. uh, greatest actors of all time, yeah. basically, right? Yeah. So, like, oh, one of the greatest actors of all time got his mm-hmm. first film role in a film about spinal cord injury. Mm-hmm. That was just happenstance. Wow. And so, so I sort That's of so went back and I just went forward from there. And I'm like, okay, which films have also portrayed spinal cord injuries? Yeah. Because uh, right, was... I, I know you brought... Go on, Anthony. Sorry, I was a uh, was a big fan of Christopher Reeves, and uh, mm-hmm. I think I was he was a, he was another big name that that helped uh, you know raise awareness and and Definitely. Port- and had a real big portrayal in film as, as a disabled person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, it was ugh, a fucking wonderful film. Thank you. Yeah, I was gonna. S- I really want to say more about what you said about learning from film. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. I think honestly. Um, I had this thought the other day about movies and how powerful they are and how I think movies need to be... I think they are a big deal right now. Like, I think basically every, everyone on Earth has seen a movie, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. And I personally have learned a lot from movies because, I mean, I'm sure you we have too. I'm sure you have. Well, they're um, markers for our society, if you really think about yeah, it. Yeah, like, no. They dictate very true. a lot of our society. Very true. Uh, you know, because, like, they're, the, yeah, there are, they are, like, little markers, I suppose, because there's a lot of different perspectives, of course. Because the ones that come to mind, like, you can learn about the Holocaust probably through Schindler's List, mm-hmm. you know, perspectives. You can um, cast away, you know, if you were stranded on an island, you know, these just different perspectives or I mean, I'm looking to my left here, uh, Misery, let's, you know, a writer, a number one fan obsessed with a writer, so on and so forth, like, there's all these different stories and perspectives and things that we don't really interact with in our day-to-day life, 
but we know this information because we watch this film you know we can learn more about disabilities or people who suffer from um not having a father figure in the house so on and so like there's so many stories out there that we can gain like a new different perspective from them and like i'm glad first of all i'm glad that you made this film and that you put it out there even if like it prop i don't know how the reception was from it or you know how you personally feel about it but i think as long as other people are seeing it and and you okay so you submitted it to this festival so i'm assuming that other disabled people are seeing this film and they're like wow i actually didn't know that about this you know i learned a little bit more and i'm more aware of the situation and um you know i want to see some i want to see some more films i guess about this kind of subject or maybe different perspectives but who knows but like i guess yeah i'm curious of like after you made the film how did you feel about it uh yeah i felt pretty good about it like i had i received like positive comments about it and Mm -hmm. most mostly what people say is that they learned from it and that's really one of what I wanted yeah. from the film. I wanted people to learn from it and I wanted to do it in a somewhat entertaining way. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Those little, the little reenactments were pretty interesting. I, there was the one, I can't remember who you were playing, but you had like a pipe in your hand. Uh, Ironside. <laughs> Ironside. Yeah. I was, I was, I was digging that kind of, I was digging that vibe. I'm not sure what it was, but it was like, like I said, with the different color palettes and whatnot, it was, pretty interesting oh but what i really liked about the movie your movie and we're mm-hmm. rolling um was the whole cinnamon roll bit mm-hmm. i guess you had going because at the beginning of the film you have like documentary crew kind of coming in i suppose and you're just going about your business and you're taking out the cinnamon roll out of the oven almost like it's going to cool down for a bit you know while you're here for like five minutes while it cools down i'll tell you a little story and you give this whole information, like all this backstory, of course, and the little reenactments. And then at the end of the film, um, you kind of excuse the documentary crew, and you're like, "I'm gonna, I have, gonna get to this cinnamon roll. Like, I'm gonna get back to this. Like, it's been five minutes. It's cooled down by now. It's ready to go. I'm gonna grub." And I really liked that kind of discovery. And it's like a little, it's a little playful, you know. It was like a little yeah. nice little thing to add there i I don't i didn't feel like it was forced or like a joke it just felt Mm. like fun like hey like i'm just going about my day and you're popping in here i'm going to give you a little story and i'm going to get back to my my business here with my cinnamon roll thing is it a cinnamon roll am i am i I it's actually a a bear claw i guess you would call it oh a bear claw okay (laughs) i didn't make it i bought it from the store culture I, I really wanted, because when I was doing the research, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a little, like, Mr. Rogers kind of documentary. Mm. So what I got from Mr. Rogers is that he always felt like, it always felt like you were, like, coming into his house and you like, his guest. So that was kind yeah. of, like, what I wanted to go oh. with it. I wanted to give that oh. vibe with it. Yeah, warm, no, I totally got, That's mm. so funny. No, it did feel that way, honestly. That's really interesting, dude. But, like, it, it turned out really well, I think. And, I mean, do you think you'll enter another film next year? I the same? Am, okay, so going back, uh-huh. back to 2019, a big problem mm-hmm. is what I had is with the audio of the film. Because when I released the 2019 film after, I released it, and everyone kept saying, oh, yeah, it was good, except, you know, the audio. And I would go, oh, okay, yeah, the audio, ha-ha. Mm-hmm. And then I kept hearing, oh, yeah, the audio. And so one night I just go turn to my girlfriend and I'm like, why does everyone keep mentioning the audio? And she says, oh, well, you know, the hissing in the background. And <laughs> uh, I have about like 50% uh, hearing loss and I can't hear certain frequencies. Oh, man. So I had no idea there was any hissing at all in the background. I thought everything sounded, well, it sounded okay. Mm, but right. Apparently, throughout the whole film, there's this hissing noise that I was not able to pick up on. So Damn. what I wanted to do this year, 2020, is sort of prove, like, I, I can do a film that doesn't have horrible audio. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but this year, of course, quarantine, COVID happens. 
So we weren't mm -hmm. able to do like a real narrative film and I, that's, that didn't sit right with me. So mm -hmm. this year I'm definitely going to enter again 2021 and do a proper narrative film and try to prove that I can do something. Yeah, it's going to clean up right. at the awards podiums, you know? Yeah. I would like to at least be nominated for an award, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they all say. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. Him. Yeah, um, so we're coming up on 36 minutes. Um, I feel just so, super weird. I hope you're enjoying this, me as the host. I'm sorry if I'm like a little, it's, it's a little rough maybe here and there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, for sticking in with us. But we're going to move on to our final segment, I suppose, right? Segment three. It's shitheads and do-gooders. Uh, what we do is we take someone from the news, media, or personal life that has committed some evil, and we shine a light on it. Then, to lighten the mood, we highlight the good someone else has done. Anthony, <laughs> would you like to go first? <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, listen right quick. Um, it was going to be the Atlanta Falcons um, for total another. mediocrity on the football field, um, pissing away another lead. Um, oh, but I've changed my mind. This mm -hmm. week, I'm, I'm calling out the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my players. God. Listen here, man. Dak went down in a horrible fashion. Broke his, his leg all to shit on national TV. Demoralized the team. They weren't doing so hot before him, and they're damn sure not doing a good job now. Uh, they're sitting at 2-5, and five, and players have been anonymously leaking reports to the media, uh, basically saying that the coaching staff doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, and they're ill-prepared and can't adjust to the on-the-fly. Um, these are the same players that couldn't win last year with Jason Garrett. I can't believe you're shitting on the Cowboys right now. I mean, nah, I'm not taking it personally. I look at the Cowboys, I see a bunch of overpaid divas who are having a temper tantrum right. because they're not winning. And the reason yeah. they're not winning is because they don't care enough. Oh my god. Yeah, it makes one me of the like, worst teams I, in football I, right now. One of the I, worst I, I teams in a historically I, awful defense. Oh my god, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this right now. I, 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 I like agree with you. Like, I, I'm a Cowboys fan, and every year, I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's so crazy is, like, next next year, I'm going to be going, go Cowboys again. Like, I, I mean, okay, I don't know. This probably doesn't happen, but you don't go, like, you know what? I'm going to stop liking this team. team and I, I mean, does it? There do, are people who it, do that, but they're never the same afterwards. Yeah, I figured. Because, I mean, imagine if, like, you, you were like, fuck the Raiders. I'm done with the Raiders. Like, that's, no. I'm, I'm going to start liking the fucking Browns. And then you go start buying, you have Browns gear, you have a Browns <laughs> hat, you have a Browns shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, like, following the Browns now. Like, you're a Brown. Like, imagine if that happened. Do you think that happens? Probably not. I would never leave the Raiders, no. I know you wouldn't. I know you would not. In me. But if I ever did leave the Raiders, I'd be trading up, not trading down. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Browns are not. A, yeah. Who, who would be up? The Chiefs? I have no idea. Oh, no. I couldn't do the Chiefs. The Seahawks? Seahawks, maybe. Uh, I'm a big Colts fan because I'm a big Peyton Manning fan. Uh, oh, they're 5-2 okay. right now flying under the radar. <laughs> so we'll see about them. But, oh, okay. yeah, Raider Nation. They, took, they picked up the dub. They're also my do-gooders. Let's get that out of the way. The Las Vegas Raiders are going to the Super Bowl. I'm calling it. I've been called it. Deal with it. Are they? Mm-hmm. Are they? Yeah. Eh, we'll see. I'll shave my beard if they don't. He's, he's calling it now, ladies and gentlemen. He's The Raiders are going to the Super Bowl this year. They're going to take it all the way. And if they don't, then Anthony's going to shave his beard. I don't I, It's well, We won't hold it against him, but we'll see. Um, Nathan, do you have a, um, do you have a shithead? Do you have, do you have someone you want to uh, ex exploit? <laughs> you know, it, it's really hard for me to like, just narrow it down to like something. When somebody does something wrong to me or something, I don't really hold a grudge. Yeah. I just kind of let it go. I kind of let it bounce right, off. You don't take me, things like, personally? I don't. I don't take 
anything really personally. Like, if you, someone man. has a problem with me, like, okay, that that is your problem. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> good, f- good for you, man. I am a carefree person, I would say. Awesome. Well, then, and then, and then, no shithead in in uh, in, um, in your case. Then, where if anything, you're the do-gooder of the week, man, for not for not having a, a shithead. No, what it is is that I'm always my own personal shithead, and I want to be <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I oh. am the shithead of the week. Every week <laughs> oh, man. Oh, of course Don't put not. yourself down. <laughs> um, really quick, my shithead. Um, yeah, um, the people who are spoiling the Mandalorian for me on TikTok, I'm seeing, like, little clips and scenes there. I'm trying to, like, have the, all the episodes, like, air on Disney Plus, like I'm going, I'm going with your advice, Anthony. Right. I'm gonna have all the air, episodes air, and then I'm gonna pop in last month, binge them, then yeet out of there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so uh, for now, I have to be careful with what I watch, listen, with what man, I consume. I think you should just stay off TikTok. Should I? Ah, oh, man, it's so entertaining. <laughs> stay off though. TikTok. It's bad for you're, you. You're, you're toxic. toxic it is. Place. It kind of is. I'm just like I, I'm. I'm usually up like in the a.m. and i'm scrolling through tiktok and you know what it is because it's like a roulette i'm not not roulette what's the uh it's like a slot machine you, you know never what I'm know saying? what you're like, gonna get exactly so that's the beauty of it and also the what's the opposite of beauty i guess the I mean, no, there's an algorithm tracking every video and how yeah. long you watch it oh hell yeah of course they are they're watching me through my camera too. watch <laughs> so I want to um, see how you emote to it. <laughs> exactly, like they're they're watching my my eye patterns and <laughs> where my eyebrows raise and the muscles and that contort in my forehead yeah. and what the <laughs> shit. So, uh, do-gooders, Anthony, your do-gooder. You mentioned something about the goddamn Las Vegas Raiders. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Just win, baby. Just think, win, so, baby. They're just gonna. They're gonna go then. They're, they're gonna go to the Super Bowl. You really think Listen, so? They're gonna. Well, they got they're a better chance good. of going to the Super Bowl than the Cowboys. I'll tell you that much. Okay, you're probably. You know, you're very right. <laughs> you're, and if anything, if the Cowboys did have a good chance, like later on in the season, they're gonna blow it at the end. That's what, just <laughs> what they do. That's just what they do. I've given up. I've I've had so much hope, and this is what they do. But so good for the Raiders, man. I feel like I always thought the Raiders were like. An okay team. No, they were garbage but, for like a like a, oh, two, yeah. a decade and a half. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I was I was being kind of nice, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. They were garbage for quite some time, but recently they've been doing, I guess, pretty well. What is it? Is it their players? Is I mean, of course, it's the players. The people. It's who John Gruden, man. Field, right? It's John Gruden. Yeah. It's fucking Chucky. Good he for took him. Took ten man. years off to do sports broadcasting, then he came back. And he was like. Well, imagine the perspective you can have as a broadcaster and then coming back to coach. That would be, oof, interesting. Okay, I have one question. Why does, okay, when John Gruden was doing broadcasting, he seemed very happy and chill. He just brought laughs, laughs every week. But when he's coaching, he just seems like the angriest guy in the world. Like, why It's because when he's broadcasting, he, he has like a small team that does everything that he asks of them. When he's coaching... He's got 54 grown men to coach, plus, like, all the training staff that has to do what he says. Some of these players, they don't like being told what to do, and he has to, like, get in their face. And it's just in his system, dude. He just loves football, and, like, the closer he gets to it, the more aggressive he becomes. It's passion. It's not anger. I don't know. (laughs) Totally crazy, though, because you got, like, a totally, like, Christian quarterback... Who oh yeah, does mm-hmm. like he doesn't like confrontation. He doesn't like like really uh, getting into people's faces, and like they've been they, like it's on camera, like them on the sideline going at it. Mm, wow, Jesus, I never knew. Chucky and the Lord do not mix. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nathan Dugitter, do you have one? Uh, I would say because we because we're talking about acting and everything. I'm mm-hmm. in the acting mindset, so mm-hmm. I would like to give my do-gooder of the week shout out to robert pattison not a twilight fame he is now a very (laughs) great actor he's entered the acclaim of being a great actor when did that happen do you think Uh, because he's done quite a few films and 
like i think there was one film do you remember it was called remember me i didn't see it but he was like you know he was like still pretty young probably after Mm -hmm. twilight but what do you think was the movie that that, i mean i don't know you know i think he was always a good actor it's just that the way he got in that his big breakthrough was in twilight because that was they gave him a role and who's gonna say no yeah who's gonna say no to that even when twilight came out he he wasn't like oh this is the best movie like when it when twilight first came out he was like this fucking sucks who the fuck wants to watch this but so like, he right. picked up that paycheck. That's where he got yeah. all the money, right? After he exactly. secured the bag, he's like, yo, let's make water for elephants and that, like really yep. get into this, this yeah. vibe. I think he's water entering his elephants. prime right now. Like I think he's in like, oh, yeah. prime form right now. Oh, for sure, him, dude. Shooting him, shooting him from the hip. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what's, what's his recent work? He did, I mean, uh, personally, Good Time, that's, that's like the Robert Pattinson, like, that's for me like that's when he came on the map for me so good time you got lighthouse um just came out the new tenant yeah tenant the the devil all the time Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's a lot i mean yeah he's doing so much actually so so why i wanted to give him the shout out this week is because he made a comment that i saw that really resonated with me that has to do with acting it's like Mm -hmm. because he was in tenant and he plays a british character in tenant mm-hmm. so somebody asked he's him, british okay you are british why did you change your voice like what is up with that and he said well you know if i did the same voice for every character it wouldn't feel like i was acting it'd just be that's the easy route like how many mm-hmm. people do you interact with on a interact with on a daily basis and how many people would you say have the same voice like we all we're all Californians. Are we talking the same way? No, we all have pretty right. different pa- patterns of speech and right weight manners of speaking. So if you're gonna if each film you're doing you're doing a different character, then they're gonna have a different voice. Hmm. And I just thought that was like a really interesting take on acting, and it yeah, made it, me, it made me reflect. Interesting. Real. I gotta it stop being so monotone all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you think you do the same voice for each character or what i'm sure i've done every, I've the same voice i mean i worked with keanu reeves <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> uh, wait no he's got bill and ted he's got bill and ted so you yeah know. okay we'll give him that one then no disrespect to him i love i love him but the man is not the best actor yeah he, he uh yeah it's, it's, he's I'll an walk- icon though yeah Keep making John Wick movies, though. We love them. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I think that's that's gonna you, you do it do for your, this episode, you, you right? Do your good. Do good. Ah, oh, yeah. shit. You know, you're My right. Host. I was about to sneak away, huh? <laughs> My bad, man. My fumbled do, at the one yard line. Damn. Dude, you know what? I'm so sorry if you're listening to this because I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> so my do-gooder. <laughs> My do-gooder, I'm going to say, is my my grandmother. My grandma, she makes the best... Well, this is just my opinion, but she makes the best homemade flour tortillas. Like, when, when she goes ham, like, starts getting in that dough, putting in that flour, you know what I'm saying? Like, starts rolling it, starts putting them in the container, like, 15 homemade tortillas, bro. Impengao, mm. mm. just... You know what I'm saying? Uh, so by do I mean come on bro like when, when you have like I mean I don't know how it is for you guys at home I don't know if you have the luxury I don't think I've ever had a homemade tortilla oh wow oh, man oh man I'm oh, man. very I'm a very white person I'm so sorry so. I'm so sorry <laughs> you have like the store bought but you know luckily the store bought ones um they just hire all the grandmas <laughs> nearby and they they come into the factory and they're they're like kneading and do, like the dough and whatever like they're making it homemade right there in the factory. Yeah, but that factory. It's made. not there's not the same amount of love put into every individual no. tortilla as there would be in the kitchen. Right, exactly. But anyways, that's my do-gooder. Is my my grandma? She makes the best uh, tortillas. Thank you. So uh, yeah, because usually uh, I usually it's so weird doing this because usually I'm waiting for like Anthony's cue. Anthony does the little he he's the setup. And, like you know if there's two tennis players, and he's like the guy in the back, 
and he like throws it up and he sets it up and I'm usually the guy who's in the front and I'm like shaking my ass a little bit and I'm like getting in position you know what I'm saying like I'm like alright here we go here we go and then he serves it and he you know but now I'm serving it so I'm in a, like a weird position here but anyways thank you so much for listening we're wrapping up this podcast it's episode I guess 2 of season 2 uh, yeah, I guess 27 technically, but I mean, we're here in season two. We don't know what the heck's going to happen. Plenty more guests to come. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much to Anthony for letting me uh, take on the reins today. He's uh, an awesome host, and he does most of the work, and um, I think he's underrated, honestly. <laughs> I don't think you give him enough love. Uh, oh, but man. thank you for ho- for co-hosting today and letting me, you know, like I said, take the reins. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. That's all you got to say? Just thank you so much? Oh. Um, I bodied <laughs> I being a co-host. I don't know. I feel like you do really have just like an easy job here. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I have such an easy job when it comes to co-hosting this podcast. Um, but next week, probably Anthony will come back and, and do, do the thing he does. He does the best. I like do it in a different way. But anyway, thank you again, Anthony for doing this uh thank you uh uh jaime for uh hosting the show you did fantastic thank you so much <laughs> and uh nathan thank you so much for coming on the on the, on the podcast man it was good to have you thank you jaime. i really film. enjoyed it and if it makes you feel any better i feel like you served an ace okay, okay. <laughs> oh my dude yeah. wait, wait do people like soft clap for tennis or do they actually like? Do they? Clap? Yeah, I think it's the same as golf. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Um, I guess you know a little plug here. If you guys haven't followed us on Instagram, go do that. At the first and the fifteenth underscore, you can check out all the other guests we've had on the show, ranging from comics to uh, filmmakers, theater people, sound people. I have no idea. Roller coaster designers. Uh, well hopefully pretty soon um but yeah thank you so much for listening i think that'll be it for this podcast is there any last words uh bye bye adios